All right, so let's begin by imagining that you have found the perfect donor. She's just the right height, has the perfect eye color. She wants the same sort of future contact as you do. And you're frankly thrilled that this egg donor is even available. Okay, great. Now what? What comes next and how quickly can it happen already? Well, let's talk about it. Whoever thought making a baby could be so hard? Luckily, the fertility journey isn't meant to be traveled alone. Eloise Drain has helped hundreds of people build and grow their families over the last 15 years. And she's ready to share her insider knowledge and expertise with you. So grab a seat and let's talk fertility and alternative family building in the Fertility Cafe. Welcome to Fertility Cafe. I'm your host, Eloise Drain. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what happens after you, a hopeful intended parent, has finally found your ideal egg donor. I'd like to help set some realistic expectations in hopes of warding off disappointment and saving you from needless frustration. First, we're going to quickly go through the timeline, starting with selection of a donor all the way through retrieval. Next, we're going to cover nearly every possible delay which you might experience working with a fresh egg donor cycle. We'll briefly talk about why some people choose to work with frozen instead of fresh and end talking about what the live birth statistics tell us and why so many folks still prefer fresh egg donor cycles despite it not being the fastest liftoff, if you will. All right, so let's begin by imagining that you have found the perfect donor. She is just the right height, has the perfect eye color, she wants the same sort of future contact as you do, and you are, quite frankly, thrilled that this egg donor is even available. Okay, great. Now what? What comes next? And how quickly can it happen already? Well, let's talk about it. The majority of this episode is focused on that timeline between selecting a donor and her egg retrieval. But it's certainly worth acknowledging that both coming to the decision to use an egg donor And then finding the right donor also took time. It took time and energy, and it may have been an involved process. I just want to normalize that a bit. Selecting a donor can be a lot. If you haven't done so already, take a listen to Season 1's episode, Egg Donation 101, and Finding Your Egg Donor. This will help set the foundation on how to go about finding your donor. If you're partnered, then you had to make a shared important decision that you both felt good about. This undoubtedly took patience. Perhaps you started your selection process by both partners writing down what was most important to you, then comparing notes. Perhaps you prioritized the heritage of your donor, physical characteristics, such as eye color or hair color. You may have aimed, as many intended parents do, to find a donor who very much resembles one parent over the other. You may have also considered possible donors' education levels, religious practices, personal interests and talents, height, weight, and much more. If you took your time or fought hard battles with your partner to come to your current selection, it makes sense that you are incredibly eager to move on to the next steps and get this retrieval underway. It's very common for an intended parent to want to cross the finish line as quickly as possible once they found the one. I completely understand. As an agency owner, I've often been asked by intended parents how quickly their egg donor can go in for a retrieval after they've selected her. After all, many intended parents have gone through their own IVF cycles and are familiar with the pattern of calling in with their cycle day one, going in for baseline and completing a retrieval after two weeks of injections and monitoring appointments. So I certainly understand the surprise when intended parents are told that this process, 
from the time they select an egg donor to the time the egg retrieval actually takes place, can take on average three to six months. I get that's likely not what you had in mind, but that is why we're talking about it now. So you can start to wrap your head around it and be prepared for what's ahead. You might be asking yourself, how can it take that long? It didn't take that long for my own egg retrieval cycle. Why is this process so different? Well, the short answer is that with third-party reproduction or donor-assisted reproduction, which is when an inhuman reproduction DNA or gestation is provided by a third party or donor other than the one or two parents who will raise the resulting child. There are just more moving pieces which must be coordinated, including executing a legal agreement with your egg donor, her possibly traveling out of state to your IVF clinic, etc., all to ensure a safe process and successful outcome for all. Okay, so what is the first step after you have reserved your donor and your agency has confirmed her availability? The next major step is your egg donor reporting to your IVF clinic for a medical workup so that your reproductive endocrinologist may screen her and ensure her physical, genetic, and reproductive health are optimal for the donation process. Each IVF clinic has their own protocol for screening egg donors. Some clinics will require egg donors to come in for an all-day appointment. Other clinics divide the screening process into two separate appointments. They all do things a little bit different. Between clinic availability, the donor's schedule, and travel logistics, the medical screening may be scheduled as far as two months out. Then it may take another two to four weeks for all of the results to be returned. Again, I get it. This is not the speed that you were hoping for, but this is the reality, and I wanted you to be prepared for it. You may already be familiar with how tricky it can be to schedule an immediate appointment with your fertility clinic. Perhaps you've experienced this firsthand, and you have simply accepted this as a consequence of working with a reputable, successful, and in-demand clinic. Now, once your egg donor has been seen by your clinic, all results have come in, and she has been medically cleared to proceed... Next, a legal agreement must be executed between yourself and the egg donor. Your licensed attorney will guide the undertaking of this process. As a general overview, key elements of your agreement will likely include specification of the intended parent's legal control over the retrieved eggs and resulting embryos, establishment of the intent, rights, and obligations of the intended parents both, if applicable, and the egg donor, Agreement on case-specific terms such as timelines for medical procedures, travel expenses, donor reimbursements, complication insurance, canceled cycles, etc. Agreed upon resolutions for potential risks, liabilities, and conflicts. Agreement of future contact between yourselves and your egg donor. And this will, of course, depend a great deal on whether you are pursuing a known donation, semi-known donation, or anonymous donation. And again, If you want to know the difference, feel free to hop back into Season 1 and listen to Egg Donation 101. Lastly, confidentiality. Intended parents and egg donors are of course able to discuss their own personal experience, but your agreement may stipulate the expectation that neither party disclose any names, locations, or any identifying information relevant to the other party, if shared of course, unless otherwise agreed upon. Expect the contract process to take uh, two to four weeks. Like most legal endeavors, slowdowns can occur. To help quicken the turnaround, I recommend that you stay in touch with your attorney. Prioritize your appointments with them, take their calls, 
carefully read their emails, and make certain your partner or spouse is doing the same. Your response time in the legal phase is one of the few time elements you may have control over, so I suggest you maximize the opportunity. Completing your legal agreement is required prior to your donor starting any medications. So unfortunately, there is no way to have her begin preparing her body for the retrieval while the legal agreement is being negotiated. After the legal agreement is signed, only then will the IVF team coordinate the egg donor's treatment plan. Depending on where she is in her cycle, she may begin injections within a few days or she may need to wait another month. Once she is given the green light, your egg donor will begin her medications and take them for approximately two weeks before she's ready for the egg retrieval procedure. The egg retrieval is a safe and relatively simple procedure that averages 15 to 20 minutes from start to finish. It's hard to believe that after that long runway, the actual process is so fast. In most instances, you will be notified of the results from the retrieval by your clinic that same day. Okay, now let's talk a bit about what could delay an egg donor timeline. I'm aware this process can be nerve-wracking, but I feel like the more you know, the better you prepare yourself for what's ahead. As I consider the different ways in which a, a fresh egg donor retrieval cycle may be delayed, I see seven general categories. Clinic appointment scheduling, temporary unavailability of a donor, the donor's rescinding her interest, surprising results from pre-screening or medical evaluation, an undesirable reaction to medications or poor response, failure to trigger on time, and disappointing results. Let's go through these in detail and talk about some context, and hopefully these will not sound so overwhelming. Starting off with scheduling, as previously mentioned, it's possible that your donor's first appointment, her medical evaluation at your clinic, may have to be scheduled out a bit further in advance than you would prefer. This can be due to your clinic schedule, your donor's reasonable conflicts or blackout dates or travel logistics. This episode is being recorded in 2021. So of course, a fertility clinic's COVID safety protocols or the donor's state or local safety or travel protocols may affect scheduling. When you speak with your coordinator, make certain that this has been thought about and talked about and reviewed with the donor to ensure that everybody is on the same page. Let's talk about the possibility of your donor's schedule not allowing her to accept the earliest possible appointment. I'd like to propose that this may also be a consequence of a desirable circumstance. Hear me out. You likely selected your donor not just because of her physical attributes, but also in part because of her level of education, her proven intellect, perhaps her unique talents or interests. And because she is a bright, talented, smart young woman, she likely has a full life and possibly a busy but manageable schedule. Your donor may be finishing up a particularly demanding semester of grad school, or she may be in Ireland for the next two weeks with her choir. The qualities and characteristics which have helped you see her as your ideal donor may also lend to her being less able to immediately drop everything and commit to a medical workup three states away. I'm certainly not trying to discourage you from selecting talented donors. In fact, that is the opposite of what I'm trying to do. I want to encourage you to be gracious. Keep a good attitude, not take the slight delays resulting from your donor's schedule personally. And I certainly don't want any slight delays in her schedule to make you second guess her as your choice. Just as your world-class doctor is worth their long wait list, so too is that talented donor who happens to be out there living her best life. 
We already talked about appointment scheduling slowdowns. Let's talk about the possibility of an egg donor whom you have selected not being able to immediately commit to the journey. Perhaps she's out of the country, she's pregnant, or a new form of birth control which is not conducive to the donation process, or she simply has some blackout weeks on her calendar and can't commit. Good agencies do their best to prevent this sort of thing from happening. They may have a dedicated staffer who checks in with the egg donors every few months or perhaps a system to ensure that their database only offers truly available committed donors. That said, larger donor pools can be harder to maintain, and so there's always the sliver of possibility of a donor who looks available, but not really. You can, of course, prevent some things from happening by working closely with your egg donor agency. Often, you can ask to hear about donors with whom the staffers have recently checked in with or who are proven. You may also reach out to your agency, let them know who you have your eye on, and ask them to make certain that the donor is available prior to setting your heart on her. Another uncommon possibility is the donor whose status is available, but who, upon selection by intended parents, begins having second thoughts. When this happens, it usually happens with the first-time donor. I've noticed over the years that these instances of, quote, cold feet is usually inspired by a lack of support. Perhaps upon notification of being selected, she just told her parents or family about her intentions to donate, or perhaps her new or previously uninformed romantic partner expresses that they don't want her to donate. We don't expect young women to proceed when they're having second thoughts. If a woman's interest in donating is affected by her new boyfriend adamantly opposing, then it's a nice thing to find out early in the game. An experienced agency will help clear the way of such early stumbling blocks. Most agencies are going to proactively educate the donors in their database, and they're going to encourage donors as early as onboarding to share with close family, current or future romantic partners about their status as an available egg donor and their intentions to donate. Many agencies will specifically ask the donor about support from family and partners on their routine check-ins. Some programs even require a form signed by her partner to assure that they are aware of her intentions to donate, ideally preventing any change of heart down the road. This rescinding of interest influenced by others is not common, but it can happen. The good news is that if it were to happen, it would happen very early on in the process, and although disappointing, there would be no lost expense associated with the slowdown. This next category is possible delays resulting from surprising results of the donor screening or her medical evaluation appointment. Egg donation agencies and programs, the good ones at least, don't accept just anyone to act as an egg donor. In fact, only about 10% of the young women who submit applications are deemed qualified to donate. Egg donation professionals have their own initial screening process, including a review of the applicant's health statement as well as her personal and family medical history. It's worth noting that all agencies have their own protocol for screening and routine testing of their active donors. So some of the possible delays I'm about to speak about may be actively prevented against by your agency's initial or ongoing screening of donors. Also worth noting that egg donors are largely young women in good health. So you should not allow the possibility of these medical results to overwhelm you with concern. The screening or medical evaluation results fall into six categories. Genetics, drug use, STDs, hormone levels, existing conditions, and failure of clinic's mental evaluation. When your donor applies to become a donor, she'll submit a detailed personal and medical history, which will be reviewed and used to assess her candidacy. 
If her medical history or her family history is not conducive to becoming a donor, she won't even be made available to you by a reputable agency. Her application will be denied, so you don't need to worry about that. Additional screening prior to her becoming available may also occur, again, depending on your agency. Even if her personal and family history and screening does not indicate a genetic issue, your clinic will likely check again to rule out any hereditary diseases or genetic abnormalities, such as being a genetic carrier for cystic fibrosis, sickle cell, anemia, or any other hereditary possibility that could be passed down to your child. Some egg donor agencies drug test their egg donors on a rolling basis to ensure that their donor pool is not using drugs. Some agencies have a zero tolerance and will immediately drop a donor if she has a positive result. This may mean that she'll never even become available to you. Even if the agency is regularly testing, surprise drug test results can pop up at the medical screening, which is of course frustrating, but it is the reason why testing is necessary. Screening for sexually transmitted diseases may occur by the agency prior to her medical screening at your IVF clinic. But even if your agency screened her prior to that appointment, your clinic will test her again. This is because the FDA requires them to do so, and of course, because there can always be surprises. The FDA has created a list of communicable diseases that they have mandated all IVF centers to test for prior to deeming a candidate qualified to donate human reproductive tissue, especially their eggs. And when she first begins her medical screening, they will do STD screening. And then right before she starts the actual hormone medications, they will test her again, as it's required that they have to have a clear STD screening seven days prior to the actual retrieval. So your IVF center will test her for HIV, hepatitis B and C, syphilis, chlamydia, and gonorrhea. If your egg donor comes back with a positive, depending on what she's positive for, it will either eliminate her ability to donate her eggs indefinitely or make her ineligible for at least one year after the completion of her treatment. The only exception to the minimum of 12-month wait is if the donor is known to the intended parents, perhaps a sister or a cousin or a friend who's offered to donate her eggs. In the circumstance of a known donor, the intended parents would need to be informed of the positive STD result and agree to proceed once medically appropriate. This known donor with informed consent is the only exception to the 12 months wait rule. The FDA does not allow any physician discretion in ordering and interpreting donor eligibility tests. Anonymous donors must pass all of the FDA-required tests to be eligible to donate. Generally, a donor with a positive STD result must wait a year before reapplying to act as a donor as well. As you might guess, most intended parents do not want to wait a full year. If their selected donor has a positive STD result, they move on to another donor. Another variable which some agencies may screen for but will be tested again at the medical appointment is the donor's hormone levels. If her hormone levels are not where your doctor would like to see them, it may be a simple fix or it could be an involved process which may take several weeks to resolve. I know the instances of donors being found to have ovarian cysts at their medical workup. Ovarian cysts are fluid-filled sacs or pockets in an ovary or on its surface. Many women have ovarian cysts at some time. Most cysts present little or no discomfort. They're harmless and will go away without additional intervention. 
That said, they are not ideal for a donation cycle. Most fertility doctors will prescribe a donor with cysts birth control pills. The doctor will delay and let the ovaries return to a resting state before starting the ovarian stimulation process. All donors should complete a comprehensive mental evaluation. An agency worth their salt, really, will have properly prepared your egg donor so that she fully understands the entirety of her commitment and is aware of all that is required of her. I've heard of egg donors arriving at medical evaluations so ill-prepared and ill-informed that the medical or mental health clinic staff have concerns about her commitment. This may be a simple miscommunication, which is easy to clear up, or the clinic staff may feel unable to accept her or provide her with their approval. This doesn't happen very often, and in fact, it really should not happen if the egg donor's agency is doing all they should. Okay, so let's move on. Let's assume your donor has no surprising screening or evaluation results, and she was given a medical protocol to prepare her body for retrieval. Your donor will have daily morning monitoring appointments to ensure that her body is properly responding to the medication she's taking. If her body is not responding properly, you'll be informed of this, so please do not allow yourself to needlessly worry. Let's go back to hormone levels. Your donor's hormone levels were tested at her baseline appointment in medical evaluation, but they will be continuously considered throughout her preparation phase. If estrogen levels are lower than expected during the ovulatory stimulation part of her cycle, this may indicate problems with follicle development. A cycle is rarely canceled only because of lower than desired estrogen levels. Usually, it's a decision made based on this and how many follicles are present. Just like it's possible to underreact to fertility drugs, it's also possible to overreact. If your donor's estrogen levels are too high, this can lead to ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome or OHSS. OHSS is a condition that occurs in women who are undergoing ovulation induction via hormonal injections. During a cycle, egg donors must prepare for egg retrieval, which requires the use of ovulation-stimulating medicines. These drugs induce the ovarian follicles to develop multiple eggs at once. OHSS occurs as an excessive response to the sudden surge in hormone levels. The ovaries swell and become tender or in some cases painful. While most cases of OHSS are typically mild enough to go away on their own, in some cases it can be severe enough that it requires hospitalization. It can be difficult to predict who will experience OHSS or how severe it'll be, so it's important for egg donors to closely monitor any symptoms that occur and take steps towards reducing the risk of having OHSS. Symptoms for OHSS can be categorized as being mild, moderate, or severe. In cases of mild to moderate, OHSS symptoms are ovarian tenderness, abdominal pain, nausea, abdominal bloating, vomiting, diarrhea. I actually, when I went through my very first egg donation journey, I slightly had a a mild version, but it really wasn't that bad. But when I actually did my third journey, it was bad and I was extremely uncomfortable. And that really goes also back to making sure that your fertility clinic really has a very good protocol and that they really are considering the donor's health and her ability to be able to produce the eggs and not push the limit. Sometimes 
prior to starting meds, if a clinic suspects a donor could potentially be at risk of hyperstimulating, uh, they may use special medications and change the donor's protocol to greatly reduce her risk. Okay, on to what is called poor responders. Women whose ovaries don't produce enough eggs or follicles during treatment are called poor responders. The egg donor receives medication to stimulate the ovaries to produce multiple eggs. Whether an egg donor has gone through the process before or not, there is a chance that an egg donor's response to stimulation medication may not be ideal. The donor's response is monitored by ultrasound in which the follicles, each of which contains an egg, can be visualized. Prior to the egg retrieval, the number of eggs may be recovered can be anticipated by the ultrasound image. If things are not progressing appropriately, your doctor may not feel enough eggs are present to warrant an egg retrieval procedure, and they will actually cancel that cycle. In all likeness, everything will go well. Once your RE is happy with how your donor is responding to the medication, they'll plan for the retrieval. The donor will be educated on how and when to take her trigger shot. What's the trigger shot? Well, that is the drug HCG taken via injection by your donor approximately 36 hours before her egg retrieval. The timing of this injection is crucial. If it's taken at the wrong time, the eggs may ovulate before your donor's procedure. Once the eggs are released into the pelvic cavity, they can't be retrieved for IVF. The clinic staff will give your donor the exact time to take this injection. Some clinics will have their patients come into the clinic to receive the shot because timing is so important. If your donor takes the shot at the wrong hour, this could be disastrous for the cycle. Most egg donor agencies also help remind their donors and do all they can in their own power to ensure the proper and timely administration of the trigger shot. Once the trigger shot is taken and your doctor is happy with the donor's response to her medications, then there are a few things that could happen to delay your timeline. I suppose if I had to try and come up with a possibility, I would say that unexpected travel complications perhaps caused by inclement weather or illness unrelated to the cycle could affect your donor. Again, this episode is being recorded in early 2021, so if your donor were to come down with a high fever or other COVID symptoms or test positive for COVID, that would certainly complicate things. A word about travel complications. Your donor wants this cycle to be successful. She has prepared her body, undergone examinations, and checked in for her daily monitoring appointments. She is very much on your team. I have seen some truly remarkable, frankly, heroic dedication on the part of egg donors who were faced with unexpected travel challenges over the years. I've seen when donors whose flights were canceled have no hesitation about renting a car and driving 12 hours straight. I've heard of egg donors' boyfriends or their mothers taking off work and helping the donors make it to her retrieval in the middle of a northeast coastal snowstorm. If I may generalize, most egg donors are determined young women, and they will give it their all to make it to their retrieval and help accomplish your shared goals. All right. Your donor has made it safely for her retrieval, has taken her trigger shot at the appropriate time without a high temperature, and is in good health and ready for her retrieval. The average number of eggs collected per fresh donor cycle is 10 to 15, but donors can produce more. If she were to produce less than the average, that would still be okay. So what else is there to worry about the day of retrieval? So there is a rare and disappointing condition called empty follicle syndrome, EFS, in which no oocytes are retrieved from mature follicles after ovulation induction in vitro fertilization cycles. 
I only mention it because I am again attempting to make you aware of all possible slowdowns. But this is not something that should make you lose any sleep. It is rare. When it does occur, REs say typically that most of the time it is caused when the donor didn't take the HCG injection properly. Okay, that is it for the list of scary complications. Your working with a reputable clinic and agency is the first step in significantly diminishing the possibility of any of the mentioned slowdowns. I want to be clear that throughout the entire process, from donor selection to egg retrieval, you should never be left to simply wonder how things are coming along. Your agency and the professionals you work with should be providing you updates all along the way. My having provided you with a detailed list of all the ways in which your fresh egg donor timeline could be complicated may have understandably inspired you to begin wondering about other options such as using an egg bank or a frozen egg donor. In 2014, ASRM, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, removed the experimental label from egg freezing, changing the way patients can access a donor egg in the future. Donor egg banking has since flourished, and many egg donor programs have added a frozen donor option to their program. And why not? Frozen donor eggs allow intended parents to access eggs more quickly, as the entire donor cycle process is already complete. In fact, the process for using a frozen donor requires only one to three months and includes acquiring frozen donor eggs, thawing them, then injecting the eggs with sperm, and incubating the embryos as they develop. A frozen donor egg or egg bank cycle is more predictable, taking much of the uncertainty out of the process. For example, potential recipients can find out exactly how many mature eggs are available per donor. No longer does the recipient or intended parent need to worry about how a donor stimulates or if enough eggs will be available. Businesses which advocate for frozen egg use, specifically egg banks, claim that as many as 10% of the traditional fresh cycles that are canceled, less than 5% of frozen cycles are. So why not always use frozen over fresh eggs then, right? Well, you may not be as concerned with the timeline as you are with the rates of success. The national average for live births from embryos using frozen eggs is still slightly lower than that of fresh egg cycles. According to 2017 data from Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology, or SART, states that live birth rates from frozen eggs was 43.1%, while the rate from fresh eggs were 49.2%. However, this varies from clinic to clinic depending on their individual experience and technical abilities, and the rates have been improving overall. In fact, some programs have reported rates with frozen donor eggs that are equivalent to fresh donor eggs. Also, it is reassuring that no difference has been demonstrated in malformations between children born after vitrification of oocytes and those born through IVF in general. Some other reasons folks still prefer fresh cycles? Using fresh eggs allows for sperm to be injected into the egg to create an embryo before experiencing a freeze. Not all eggs or embryos will survive the thaw, so using fresh eggs may increase the amount of frozen embryos stored for future use. Many egg donors produce more eggs than a single recipient needs. This may be ideal for those who hope to have more than one child using the resulting embryos from the fresh egg donation cycle. 
A major limitation of frozen eggs from a bank is that the number of eggs that are available to a recipient is typically six to eight, which is much lower than the number that can be obtained from a fresh donor in an exclusive egg donor arrangement, approximately 10 to 20. So if you are planning on having several children from an egg donor, using a fresh donor may provide you with adequate numbers of embryos to have several pregnancies. And of course, as an intended parent, you have very specific visions for your donor. You may be interested in pursuing whichever option gives you access to your ideal donor. Many intended parents go with whatever program they find their dream donor in. The added convenience and the lower cycle cost have to be balanced against the slightly lower success rate in some programs and the lower number of eggs available in order to decide what makes sense for you. I understand that the waiting and the uncertainty can be the hardest part of all of this. Make certain to stay connected with your medical team, reach out to your support system, and find time for self-care. The three to six months it takes to facilitate a safe, well-supported, and successful donor retrieval will be well worth the end result. Remember that having a delay does not mean you are destined for disappointment or have to start all over again. I hope you found this discussion helpful as you weigh your next steps. You can follow Fertility Cafe on its new Instagram and Facebook channel under Family Inceptions. If you haven't yet, go to your listening platform of choice and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'd also love you to share Fertility Cafe with friends and family members who would benefit from the information shared. Join us next week for another conversation on modern family building. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, remember, love has no limits. Neither should parenthood. Thank you for joining us in the Fertility Cafe. Whether you're an intended parent, a woman considering egg donation, thinking of becoming a surrogate yourself, or a friend or family member of someone dealing with infertility, we're here to help. Visit our website, thefertilitycafe.com, for resources on fertility, alternative family building, and making this journey your own.